0: Welcome to No BS Engineering, the podcast for developers around the world who care about their careers. Join us as we share ideas, war stories, and talk with special guests about how developers can up their game and move their career forward. And welcome to another episode of No BS Engineering. My name is Cal Evans, and my co-host is Mario Peshev. And we're so glad that you've spent some time with us today. Mario's (laughs) over there waving. Uh, So so glad you've chosen to spend some time with us today. This is our 2020 wrap up. 2021 prognostication episode. Every podcast has to do one. We are legally obligated to do this, so we're going to do this, and we're going to have some fun doing it. Um, This will be released in three separate episodes, so if you don't get it all the first time, that's fine. You can pick up a little bit. Um, You can pick up some of it later. Mario, say hi
1: to everybody. Hey, everyone. Good to see you and really happy to do this wrap-up episode for 2020. Very much looking forward to 2021. I believe a lot of people are. And definitely can't wait to see what January is going to bring back to us. And Kao and I are going to come up with some predictions just for you and a recap of uh, what we had to face during 2020
0: doing business during covid you know you've i've watched you you've you've been um successful you your team has actually successfully adapted and is is growing again and i've watched several other companies do it but i've watched you know, we've all seen companies that have not been able to make the transition sadly um and this affects the developers that are working for those because everybody these days is a software company um you know one of my favorite restaurants has an entire building dedicated to their software development team because even though they're a restaurant chain, they they develop software. So yeah. let's you know how. What does the um, what's the job market look like these days for developers of any stripe? Um, I know you and I focus mainly on PHP and JavaScript, but you know let's talk in general terms. What's it look like? And then I'd love your thoughts on um, what's coming in 2021. How do you see 2021 shaping up? Hmm.
1: Yeah, good question. So. The way I see it, and again, based on talking to other company founders and agency owners and other businesses and whatnot, um, the market for software developers is generally still in a good shape. However, of course, not as good as it, as it used to be back in, say, January or February, right? So there is a dip, there is a drop in, in, in the lookout for new developers. Uh, however, many companies are still looking for the right people. And there are different reasons for that. Um, On one hand, uh, there are some businesses that are still, you know, flourishing, right? Especially in uh, healthcare, especially in uh, food delivery options and, you know, uh, e-commerce and that kind of stuff. You know, lots of different businesses are flourishing and they're actually growing three times more than they normally do outside of a pandemic, right? Because they are the type of businesses that are running the operations right now for the vast majority of people. You know, companies like, for example, companies like Netflix, you know, traffic is growing. Companies like Zoom, I'm a very happy stock owner of Zoom shares and I'm very proud of that right very now. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, companies like this are are really looking for more and more and more talent. On the other hand, of course, lots of companies are going down, especially you mentioned the the um, restaurant company owning the whole software group, right? They are in a pretty tricky position. And any other company that has, that has a brick-or-mortar type of solution uh or uh, for example we had an interview with a salesperson of uh, you know two months ago uh he was laid off from a company building some software for co-working spaces you know right now oh, yeah. literally i mean that's just uh, not a viable business to, to be working with so of course there is a drop i would say that there is a shift however that i'm seeing and, and even with some of the layouts that we see with companies laying off hundreds, if not thousands of people from a single organization, uh, at s- for some of them, it is a revenue cut because they need to survive, for some of them. For others, however, it is a mix of that and also a smart way to just replace their talent with better people, right? Uh, lot, especially outsourcing companies, you know, traditional body shop companies, mm-hmm. Um they do have a lot of people that do almost nothing and they outsource those people to just companies to just build their hours, right? Uh, Really mediocre companies, uh, you know, lots of them, even if it's not the whole company, you know, they just have several departments that they have a, you know, mid-level team lead who's doing well enough and lots of, you know, juniors and mid-levels that are barely producing any work, for example. So, companies know that, but while customers are paying, you know, nobody's actually lifting a finger to change that and now with the pandemic they're just redistributing resources and saying okay we're going to lay off all folks on trial uh the most expensive middle management and also all the slackers that aren't really producing anything and we are going to actually open new positions for people who actually want to deliver work so they're trying to kind of steal talent from the companies that are in a really bad shape right now and just bring them on board and, and, and actually strengthen their workforce. So that's kind of how I feel the job market is working right now. And the other twist, of course, is interns and uh, remote workers. As we spoke in the kind of previous session of the episode, uh, this is um, a pretty tricky place to be at right now, just being a junior looking for a job. Definitely not a lot of opportunities for that. Uh, And definitely tricky to just kickstart a business. So everyone has kind of focused on more and more opportunities to just steal top talent from businesses that aren't doing really well right now.
0: Interesting that you said um, start a new business because um, it's not exactly starting a new business, but the gig economy, you Mm, know, Uh, that. Seems to be growing at least in our space. I'm seeing more and more people are oh, like me. I, I'm I'm contract. Um, I, I'm long term contract, but because uh, I'm not picking up um, individual jobs. I, normally we call it piecemeal work, but I don't want to. That might be a denigrating term for some people, so I don't want to say that. But you know, individual small um, jobs. I'm seeing more and more companies, especially in the software development, uh, or more and more people, especially in the software development, um, start doing that. And the company that I'm doing contract work for uh, in the past, um, I've been there 13 months now, and I've seen them uh, bring on 10 contractors. Over that 13 months, you know, some of them stayed, some of them have been on for this particular job and go off. And that, to me, that's the ideal situation for a company. But um, do you see or are you seeing that same thing or are you seeing people hunkering down and trying to find, you know, full time work?
1: Well, again, it depends who. there are some people who are looking for the comfortable full-time job, right? They do want the job security and the perks and the office space and the chatter with colleagues, water cooler stuff. Uh, There are some people like this, and especially people who aren't very ambitious in running their own thing, right? Because, as you know, contractors are kind of more on the freelancer slash consultant side and less on the full-time employee side in terms of, still looking out for new jobs, still not necessarily being a, a permanent role and that kind of stuff. So it's more of a job for people who are more adventurous and people who are more confident in their skills or like looking for ways to maximize what they do. And most people aren't like this. Most people, again, they do want the 95 job. Um, they do want to live their life after hours and all that jazz and, and just be able to pay their mortgage or whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. So on that end, that's definitely the kind of the majority of people I see. But, of course, uh, the the COVID crisis has uh, unlocked lots of different opportunities and lots of different things that you run remotely, especially around Zoom or, again, even Netflix, different ways to make games being accessible remotely and, uh, like, team-building initiatives like celebrating your Christmas party over Zoom or something like that, which is, uh, I mean, lots of companies do that, of course. Um, So, again, with that in mind, lots of things are moving remotely and with people working home office or being unemployed, again, people try to be creative and find different ways to make a living too. You know, some becoming freelancers and becoming something else and contractors, of course, being one of the possible opportunities. So the market is definitely a lot more fluid right now. It's definitely uh, more flexible. It really depends. I mean, companies have been it's previously it was kind of easier to just group. Let's say a bunch of different companies under, they are a startup, this is how they operate, this is how they hire, yada, 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 you know, because most startups do this, or they are a corporation, so corporations generally do this, or they are, you know, like being able to segment them. But right now, you know, you have companies like Google and Microsoft and Twitter that say, you know, we are going to be remote up until April or Twitter for infinity, right? And at the same time, however, you do have banks, which are also corporations, that they say, no way, Jose, we're definitely not going to do that, right? Yeah. Uh, so this sort of segmentation that I'm talking about is like, right now you have this traditional segment of like startups and corporations and small and medium enterprise and yada, yada. But each of them is wildly successful or almost going to bank- go bankrupt because, again, depending on what sort of product slash service they offer, and at the same time, um, again, like they try to test out different options and see what, what works. Um, I, I guess it would be helpful to actually tell more about the company you're contracting for and kind of what sort of segment they're falling into right now, like, you know, corporate versus more experience, that kind of things. because it's- oh, it's
0: definitely a more corporate, um, although they do have a remote program. So, um, you know, they, they were prepared for- when COVID hit and they shut down, um, they still are operating 100% remote and uh, they're in the financial services industry, which is interesting. They're, they're not a bank, they're not f- handling money, but they offer more financial advice and stuff like that. So it's it's, it's traditional market, but they're a non-traditional company. And um, they, for the most part, they have been um, work in the office and they have uh, offices in several cities, but they're now uh, and have been since March, 100 percent remote, Um, which for me is wonderful because I I get to work with some great people. But, um, you know, it's just it's 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 been a challenge even for them. They they had the processes in place. They didn't have to go out and figure out how to set up a VPN so that people could come in. They did not have to set up a communications channel. They did not have to figure all these things out because they had all these in place. They did have to scale them massively mm-hmm. because um, less than a quarter of the workforce was remote. And all of a sudden, 100% of the workforce was remote. And that did um, pose some, some interesting challenges. And being on the IT, side of things i, I got to see a little glimpse of that but they they've handled it beautifully and it's, um, they've done a wonderful job knowing is cool sharing knowledge is even cooler in my book uncle cal's career advice for developers i share with you five of the most important pieces of career advice i've learned Get your copy today by pointing a browser at bit.ly slash UncleCow. I want to share this knowledge with you. Let me ask you this, though. Do you see this as the new normal? For companies, Do you see us going back to 100% or, or 75% in the office and companies going, we can't operate if we uh, aren't all in the same room at the same time? Do you see us all going, forget offices, let's um, bulldoze them and turn them into parks and let's all work from home? Or is it going to be somewhere there in the middle?
1: I definitely have mixed feelings about that. I think we'll need another six months or so to be able to predict uh, better. Uh, the reason I'm having mixed feelings about it is, first off, I don't believe that um, you know the best communication happens remotely for many of the reasons we already discussed in this episode and wow. the previous one, right? Uh, you know, delays, being unable to focus, and so forth and so on. Uh, however, for product companies, for the most part, it's actually fairly easy, I would say, to do this kind of stuff, right? Because especially for um, a pro company, if you have a roadmap for 2021, for example, and you just have a breakdown for every quarter, you can literally just if, if you have hired the right people of course, you can literally just let them plow through the list and, and be done with it right. So having this sort of context is one thing. however, working with customers for custom requirements like every single day and or maintenance companies and support companies and that kind of stuff, That require collaboration and like last minute notices and whatnot. Um, It doesn't work this way. I mean, it's definitely a major blocker and it's something that you can certainly notice because you do need communication on a daily basis, multiple times a day, whenever it's needed. And this is harming the process big time. And whenever you can sync with everyone you need at this time because they're doing something else, it's making things really complicated. So for more rapid slash, you know, vividly operating companies, it's going to be tricky Uh, For companies like, especially in the financial industry, because you mentioned that, and, you know, banking and, you know, telecoms, in terms of data sensitivity and privacy and security, it's definitely posing risks, especially with non-IT people, you know, like accountants and lawyers, you know, people who are not obliged to understand how security works and be able to defend their data in the best possible manner. Um, That's definitely going to be a problem. Um, I've been looking into different stunts that other companies are trying to pull off from the top uh, kind of companies like Twitter mentioned, they are going to be fully remote, like again, for perpetuity more or less. Um, I'm curious to see how this pans out because uh, Jack Doris isn't really the, the lead I would imagine would make Twitter a successful again. I feel that Twitter has been stagnant for three years, if not more, yeah. and I don't see anything else going on with Twitter. So I'm trying to look at Twitter and say, okay, like a large, Monolith of software and APIs and whatnot is moving fully remotely, but is it actually going to survive? Like, is anything going on on Twitter? You know, like I do love Twitter, I do have lots of people on Twitter, but literally haven't met anyone new on Twitter for the past three years. Lots of people have disappeared from Twitter, however. So it's like, okay, they're moving fully remote, but like, is it a maintenance job for them anymore? Like, who's paying the bills? You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of one of the outcasts I'm trying to point out. Another example is Facebook. Um, I don't remember. I think they mentioned April or May, at least, something like that, remote. but at the same time, they said, we are considering paying different wages depending on where you live. So they say, you're completely okay moving back from the Bay Area to wherever you want, but this is going to affect your salary. Mm -hmm. So, of course, people don't like that. At the same time, I do believe, for the most part, it's only natural. And again, it's 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 raising different questions that we need to answer as a as a society, more or less. Is it acceptable or not? Like because uh, again, for me as a company owner, and especially in Europe, you know, just paying U.S. salaries, it's like three to four times more expensive than paying local salaries for the most part, right? Yep. And I do have to acknowledge that unless you are in Iowa or uh, Arkansas or something like that. Uh, I mean, no so, you know, just not in. You know, no. large metropolitan areas like, you know, Bay Area, New York City or anything. So, I, you know, this has to be recognized. At the same time, you know, wages in, say, India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, the Philippines and so forth are three, four times lower than what we see here. Uh, and, and like it raises some questions. If we move remote only, is it actually going to retain enough U.S. developers? And I think this is something that people have to consider as well. If mm-hmm. you're opening the pool, because so far... For example, for a Facebook or for a Twitter, they've been having a hard time hiring people because not everyone's based in the States, apparently. And moving to the States still requires going through, you know, H1B1 uh, visa or whatever the yeah. name was. And, you know, being granted this and, you know, shipping everything there and, and so forth. If everyone's this raises some questions, well, why don't we, you know, just operate and hire like, Eleven thousand people in the Philippines, for example, right, and even create an office there or something like that, right. Um, so I think it's really tricky right now because companies can pull very interesting stunts, like as I said, Facebook doing the the salary gap, right, or maybe even just saying, okay, we don't no longer need that many U.S. developers. If you're fully remote, you're just going to go to more financially accessible locations with. Uh, you know, less competition and you know, growing economies, even Africa, which is on the rise right now. It really is, yeah, yeah, especially with Zuckerberg and Elon, you know, just working on satellites and you know, providing more internet access there. So again, it's uh, it's an interesting, it, uh, interesting times we are living in right now. I'm very much looking forward to seeing what's going to happen, and I think changes are going to happen within the next you know, four to 10 months, I would say, uh, as the COVID cases are going to go a little lower and, you know, companies have to decide what they do. What do you think? What's your take on that?
0: Uh, Well, before I give you my take, um, I want to mention, you mentioned Africa and um, the people that I have met on Twitter this year, several of them have been in the PHP community in Africa. And I've started, you know, when people start bubbling up. And I noticed them, I add them to my list. And it's been wonderful to see that community or that part of the PHP community start to grow. And uh, that's, that's really going to be something to watch. Me personally, I think that um, we're going to meet not in the middle. I think it's going to stay more towards the remote, but there are people that just don't want to work remote. There are jobs that can't be done remote. I, I acknowledge that, but for those of us who can do our job remote, I think that the pendulum has swung so far that um, it's going to stay on the remote more than in the office if you want to. I mean, it's it, environmentally it's good, you know, not as many cars on the road, but um, I don't know about mental health because like I said I'm an outlier. I am perfectly fine talking to people on Slack for 3-4 weeks at a time, but I do miss my conferences and stuff like that. But I just think it's going to stay more on that side as more and more companies realize <clears throat> yeah, it might cost more to have a person remote, but on the other hand, I don't have buildings. So, you know, that's that's space that can be used For something else. And that's an expense I don't have to have. have. So that's my personal feeling. And maybe that's a little more hope than feeling is because that opens up more opportunities for me. Mm -hmm. As far as the pay gap, that's an interesting problem because the developer in me says, if you're based in California, the company, and you want my talent, you're going to pay me the same amount that you pay somebody in California because I'm doing the same job. On the other hand, realistically, where I live doesn't cost nearly what it costs in uh, California. And I don't live in a cheap area. I used to. I grew up in rural Alabama. And that is just, you know, I've still got family back there. My people are there. And, you know, I I could sell my house here in uh, Florida right now, move there, buy something about three times as big for the same amount of money and, um, you know, live like a King off of what I'm um, getting here in Florida. Yeah, But realistically, there's gotta be a compromise somewhere. And, um, you know part of it has got to be recognition of the work that be that's being done, but the other part of it has to be the you know it doesn't cost you to live as much as it does somebody in the Bay Area. Um sadly, what I think that's going to mean is once they once everybody agrees on this that companies are simply going to start looking in the very cheap areas, and whether that is, uh, rural Alabama or Arkansas or into um, the Eastern European countries and places where it doesn't cost as much and therefore they can hire people for less and um, and get the same job done. So, you know, but, you know, everything's a trade-off. There are no answers. Uh, there are only trade-offs. Uh, the great Thomas uh, Sowell, the great economist Thomas Sowell taught us that. So, You know, there's good and there's bad um, and everything's going to change. But I'm hoping that this uh, forcing companies to go work from home and some companies realizing, hey, I don't need to take up that real estate downtown or something like that, um, that I can uh, either do away with it totally or do with less. I can go to a smaller footprint. And um, that means more space available downtown for fun things like parks and um, things like that. That's my hope.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I do recognize that traffic is lower during pandemic um, oh, yeah. and that kind of stuff is affecting, you know, air pollution and whatnot. That's definitely a consideration. <laughs> Again, I do think that some companies are going to remain remote, um, you know, ne- starting next year or, so, or starting this year. Uh, definitely, uh, it, It's definitely going to support the remote working trend by itself. But it's really hard to say if it's going to be the actual new normal or it's mostly temporarily and just calibrating, so that we're going. I, I can't again. I can't imagine Microsoft in in two years. I'm not sure if they're going to actually remain remote because they say we are truly revolutionary, or they're going to say we are only going to leave accounting and security at the office, or you know they're going to say you know things are back to normal and we are more productive uh, from yep. the offices. So that's that's something I'm. Very much looking forward to see because it's it's actually going to present a lot of data towards you know like lots of previously lots of companies were afraid to try remote for various reasons and now almost every company was forced to be remote for a certain period yeah. of time and now they have the data even if it's even if it's not real I mean it's it's um, you know shaped in a way that's COVID infused. With all the fear and everything, it's still letting your folks work remotely for weeks or months at a time. And then you can say, okay, this is going to be the best thing or not. Also, at the same time, with more companies moving to remotely, it's going to jeopardize companies that are office only. Because the so I think there's going to be a greater separation of on site companies versus remote companies. You know, right, right now it's more about remote companies are. And you know, like startups and like your it's hippie and all that jazz. As more companies move remote, however, you know, more companies are going to be able to steal talent that wants to work remotely and currently works in companies that don't offer remote opportunities, right? Yeah. So this is also going to create an interesting perspective of how would an on-site company going to retain on-site people, right? Yeah. And this also causes other problems or questions. Like, I do, uh, I do believe that lots of families have had a hard time surviving living together remote. If they spend you know, the past few years hmm. mostly, you know, working odd jobs and just meeting for a couple hours at night at a time, and then that kind of stuff, and now having to be locked down in an apartment or a small house for months at a time, right? So this is changing the relationship dynamics as well in a pretty crazy way, and also living extroverts in a pretty uncomfortable position where they seek contact and they seek relationships and networking and communication and all that. So it's funny, there are lots of different factors on a sociological level we have to consider, on a psychological yeah. level we have to consider for different people, on a global economy level with salaries, on a you know, market level with competitors being able to steal talent, uh, lots of different considerations. It's definitely definitely going to be an interesting stunt over the the coming months.
0: I think you're right. The next six months is um, is going to give us a lot of insight into where things are going, and um, I I look forward to that as. As, this, um, as the pandemic starts to wind down, whether it's the vaccines or the herd immunity or, or something that we haven't even considered yet, it looks like in 2021, things will start to wind down. We're all looking at what's, what comes next. I do hope that those companies that are for, have been forced into um, remote and have decided we're gonna stay remote, I do hope they understand the concept of getting everybody together because the good remote companies know that once a quarter or at least once every six months you got to bring everybody together everybody's got to be there be face to face and and spend some time with each other um, not only working together but socializing so that you build those relationships that just can't be built um, over slack because text is an imperfect medium even with emojis it's an imperfect medium it's It's very easy to interpret something that somebody says, not how they meant it. And if you don't have that relationship with somebody, then it it can go south in a hurry.
1: You know, I do agree with you. And at the same time, uh, because I I do have friends from Automatic and other companies that used to be remote before it was cool. And I do remember a lot of cases with people uh, raising you know babies right now and they say well you know just have a three-month-old at home and for the next two years it's going to be nearly impossible to travel overseas right yeah or having sick relatives or just living in a pretty crazy place where you know the airport is a six-hour drive away or something like that so i definitely do agree with you and at the same time i've seen these things being really hard to organize especially with again i can see um it. yeah or the community summit that we've we've had multiple times, uh, you know, with the WordPress Foundation, the, the general WordPress community, you know, there were two people from Russia and Ukraine that were, didn't get their visas. I mean, the, the, the embassy mm-hmm. just said, nope, you're not going to get a visa. You may be an invite only from Matt Mulaway himself and everyone else, but we don't care. I mean, we are entitled to not let you leave the country or whatever, just not not let you yeah. go to America. And so that's, again, another crazy problem. So, it's what I'm saying is lots of great ideas. Whenever you try to think at scale and especially with companies like Microsoft and Google and so forth with over a hundred thousand employees, if they have to do something like this, this percentage of outcasts is actually going to represent a fairly large number of people, maybe maybe in the high hundreds or maybe even in the low thousands. And having this type of outcast is maybe going to raise different questions for them. Like, hey, can we organize them for like a hundred thousand people? But omit 4,000 people is going to be fair. How are they going to feel? How are they going to react? How are they going to react on social? Is going to do the contrast effect for them? You know, like, so yeah, we'll see. It's crazy. Lots of, it's going to be interesting. Lots of analysis can go in.
0: Hey, Mario, I want to thank you for your time. I look forward to um, sitting down next time to talk with you. Audience, thank you for being a part of this 2020 wrap-up and 2021 prognostication episode. Hey, do us a favor. If you like what you saw, Find us on your favorite podcasting network and give us five stars or five thumbs up, whatever. If you think there's a way we can do things better, drop me an email, cal at calevans.com. I would love to hear from you. Mario and I take all the emails that we get and look at them. And we hope to see you at, uh, next week right here on No BS Engineering.
1: See you soon, everyone, and happy 2021.